backdoor home for running Rebel basketball is ESPN Las Vegas, 1100 a.m. and 100.9 FM, KWWN, Las Vegas. A one-to-one game in the bottom of the ninth inning at Dodger Stadium. The pitch, a swing and a long one to left. It is gone, a two-run homer, and the Dodgers are going to San Francisco. Chris Taylor hits a two-run homer off Alex Reyes, and this ball game has come to an end. A celebration at home plate, and the Dodgers beat the Cardinals 3-1. to one. The Las Vegas Journal Review. Kalong told me a couple days ago, I, you got to get rid of this echo. <laughs> I can't talk. I'm drunk. Whatever. <laughs> the Las Vegas Review Journal. Reyes. On two and one, Taylor, fly ball to left, and deep, and gone! Chris Taylor, a walk-off home run! The Dodgers are walking off to San Francisco! They win the wild card, three to one! Here comes Taylor to the plate, they are bobbing him! The crowd is going crazy! The Dodgers advance! to the National League Division Series with one mighty swing by Chris Taylor. Just crushed my dreams. Boom. Sadness. That's the one. Ed is joining us now from the Raiders practice facility. Uh, did you pass your test, Ed? Well, we'll learn, we'll learn that uh, oh, you might get kicked later in the day, but obviously... Oh. Uh, uh, the important part is Willie Ramirez uh, uh, did let me know you threw me under the bus with Millsy, so I'm did. very disappointed in I that. Did. And yep. it just it's it's not it's not it's not worth it. You know, it's it's just not right. It's not it's not a correct thing to do. <laughs> I'm gonna keep. He knows that I like him. Does he? Listen, you you missed you've missed a couple interviews with him. He complained that you didn't come well, talk to him one day at Golden Knights practice or something like that. I didn't even. See, well, yeah, I guess I did see him. Yeah. <laughs> I guess I did see him, but I was in yeah. The I ducked behind a I ducked behind a corridor and <laughs> no, no, no. I had I, I was uh, fortunate enough to be getting a player outside the room, and I had to go when they said you got to go. So I wasn't able to stop and say hi to Millsy because if it's the difference of getting a one on one with a player and saying hi to Millsy, well, that's the easy decision. Yeah, yeah. You got to go talk to Millsy. He's your you best friend. To... He's your yeah. best friend. Millsy's not giving me quotes. I'm not writing about him. Yeah, I mean, you could. I could, I could. I've actually quoted him. I've quoted Millsy and Collins. Oh, don't yeah, tell I've him quoted, that. I've quoted oh, him. Oh, man. Why? You trying to decrease your clicks? No. <laughs> no, I've, uh, I don't even remember what it was about, so obviously it wasn't a very memorable column, but I don't even know what I talked to him about. <laughs> but I'm pretty sure I quoted him at one point. All right, I do have an important question for you that's slightly unrelated to the, the Raiders or the Dodgers. Um, how early did you get to the airport in L.A. to leave Los Angeles on Tuesday? Four hours. Nine twenty-five flight. I think I was at my gate and working because LAX has like really cool like desks and stuff. It's really set up for laptops and everything. Seven forty. So you got there about seven to get through security and everything. Sure. Okay. What, what did, oh, because I had to. T- I was talking to you guys at what, like seven forty-five. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But I will give. Uh, Heidi Fang and Cassie Soto hard time because they make fun of me all the time for getting there early. They left the hotel at seven. So, you know, be that it as may, I'm not the only one who's completely out of his mind when he gets to airports early. So they left there basically as early as you did. Yes. Oh, yes, okay. basically. But they, but you guys weren't riding together. You guys rode separately. My shuttle was before them. It was a little earlier. <laughs> <laughs>
I also need from you, uh, we got one a little bit last year when you went, but there were no fans there and there was no weather delay. Uh, a SoFi Stadium review with fans in the crowd. Well, it was awesome. SoFi Stadium, a couple of things. I think it's beautiful. We talked about the maze. Uh, it obviously was a pro Raiders crowd, so the cheering was not what you'd expect from a home game for a team. Uh, but Raider fans were out in just droves, uh, went to the uh, tailgates beforehand, had to go over and, you know, tailgate with Cassie's family. There's thousands of tailgaters, but here we go. Good people. <laughs> love, love the family. Los and everybody. Um, but, yeah, it was, it was cool. I mean, you knew it would be a Raiders fan base, and it was. And it was, like, strange. Like, perfect example is when Carlson misses the kick, like, there's very little cheering. Whereas if it's a real home game, the crowd goes insane because at that point the game's probably over. It's a 14-point game. And yet what we could hear, the press box is closed, so it's hard to really hear the cheers, you know, how loud they are. But it didn't seem like there were a lot of them. So, yeah, I, uh, I, I, thought, it was, I thought it was a cool place. It's, uh, look, I mean, it's, it's, just, it's better than uh, most places in, in the league um, in terms of, the, you know, the structure and the, and the beauty outside the water. We're convinced there's like a lake portion outside of it we're absolutely convinced that whoever wins the super bowl their fans are going in the lake afterwards oh that's a great celebration yeah how how's like what prevents you from getting in the lake nothing and that's a great point so arash (laughs) of of la as we know well arash is mr la we were filming something outside and he happened to be walking by and he's talking about the lake as oh he goes people jump in all the time i go what are you talking about he goes well look around there was like no security now maybe that'll change for the super bowl but he said people following that thing on purpose all the time so Which, no no security and not even like any sort of railing or anything to keep you out. No, just, yeah, I okay. could have absolutely walked up to Cassie Soda, who's walking at me towards me right now, and just pushed okay. her in the lake. You should that have, have been awesome. make sure I should have. make sure it's on video, but you should have. Yes, yes, it would have been so, way better next year. After the Super Bowl, uh, my guess is people are going in the lake. They are going to go in the drink. Okay, so let me let me read this tweet to you and let me know what, if how bad you think it's going to be this Sunday for the Raiders. Uh from Daniel Greenberg in Chicago. I've been told by several ticket vendors that a lot of Chicago Bears fans have been buying tickets to Sunday's road game against the Las Vegas Raiders. For example, TickPick tells me 35% of the purchases for Sunday's game are coming from Illinois zip codes. Are we going to have like a 50-50 split crowd of Bears fans and Raiders fans? I'm going to say 60-40 Raiders. It's not going to be like when Jared was at Iowa State and he might as well have been wearing a Cyclones jersey because it was that crowd of UNLV. But I think 60-40. This is a perfect example, perfect example of a team, which we said from the very beginning before the stadium was even built, that would circle the Las Vegas game on the schedule, and that was the one they were going to. And we're going to have a lot of those, I think, at the Legion Stadium. But Chicago, come on. They circled it like first, and they're coming out here to probably drink and gamble and go to the game. That's so I'll say 60-40, and I'll tell you what, the last game, the last home game, uh, which was what another overtime game, right? Miami. Um, yeah, Miami. A lot of empty seats. I mean, they announced 50-something. Like, they were in the 300 section up above. There were a lot of empty seats. And you and I talked about it where five minutes before that game, I could have gotten a seat for 40 bucks. Yeah. Uh, so there were a lot of empty seats that, that Miami game. So it'll be interesting to see this week if there's more empty seats and how many Bears fans are showing up. I'm curious on the empty seats because the, the Raiders have not had, uh, like an official, every seat is filled. They've had official sellouts because all the tickets are technically sold, but they have not had every seat filled or it's been, you know, a few thousand off in each of these games. Right. I'm curious, like how many people out there simply bought 
season tickets to for the Raiders just simply to turn around and resell them for every single game just to try to make money off of it because that would sort of imply that people are doing that, but people are failing to do that because they can't actually sell the tickets. Yeah. I think there's a lot of them. I know a person, uh, to be unknown, uh, you know the person, but that person has season tickets. They're going to go to, they said, maybe four or five games. But I'll give you an example. Kansas City game, because it's the Chiefs and the fans are absolutely crazy. I think his tickets cost, man, I want to say three, 400 each, um, sold them for 2,300 each. So if I'm getting 2,300 each on a ticket, then I'm sorry, I'm at home watching from home and taking that money. Another game, not as nearly as much because it wasn't Kansas City. I don't know which game it was, but he almost doubled or almost tripled his money. So, look, if I'm getting that kind of money and I you know, you had to pay PSLs, which was the expensive part, I don't know if I'm going to every game. I just, you know, unless I love the Raiders that much and I really want to see the opponent like Mahomes, and that's why I think people are playing so high, I'm probably, you know, selling a lot of them like the people I know. I don't think I'm going to any game if I'm selling them for that price. Well, yeah, I don't think everyone's $2,300. That's like the, the, the Chiefs. But if they play the NFC East next year and it's Dallas coming here, that ticket would be huge with Cowboy fans. So there's going to be a few, you know, maybe the Bears also. There's certain somewhat public teams and a lot of public teams that would be, you know, you'd get a lot for now. Washington, I think that's the second game he sold them to. He didn't make near as much, but he like tripled his money. I mean, he he did well. So yeah, I mean, but he's also going to go to four or five by himself with his family. They bought four tickets. Um, so yeah, it's. Uh, I think it's. I think you're right though. I do think a lot of people, and I'm not even saying this is like you know original to the NFL. I'm sure there's a lot of people with a lot of teams and stadiums who sell their tickets because they make a lot of money. All right, so let's let tell me which fan base you think is going to have the most fans here the rest of the year. We got the rest of the home games are Bears, Eagles, Chiefs, Bengals, Washington, Broncos, and Chargers. Chiefs, I think they travel like crazy people. Um, you know what will be interesting because they have really good fans is Philly, and is Philly another one of those teams that circled Vegas because they're in Philly? No offense. Um, and when is and, and here's the other thing when when is Philly because the later you get into the year the colder it's going to be in those places two weeks so uh, that's the next home, or three weeks that's the uh, next home yeah. game after Chicago I mean three weeks in Philly three weeks from now it could be somewhat cold not as cold as they're going to get but Philly will be interesting because I think that's another one that they circled um, you know Denver I'm not so sure the Chargers I'm not so sure um, you know look the Chargers can't even have a, a majority at their own place I don't know if they're all going to travel here. That'll be a really big Raiders crowd. Not so sure about Washington. I don't know how well their fans travel, but I know how well Kansas City's fans travel. So I'm going to say there's going to be a lot of red in the house from Kansas City. I mean, think about what my buddy got for his tickets. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, if they're getting that for tickets to the Kansas City game, then a ton of Kansas City people are coming. I think, I the, mean, I think the Denver one's interesting because it's like you can fly to Denver from Vegas for like $5. Like it's yes, one of the cheapest yes. cities to fly to out of Vegas. I, yep. I, that one's interesting because, and well, here's the other thing. That one's very late in the year. That's like the third to last game. If that's, True. if Denver, right. If Denver falls off the map, maybe not, but if we're talking about two teams that have, you know, eight, nine wins and both need a win or two to sort of get into the playoffs that I think, I, Oh, it's, it's the day after Christmas. Does that make it oh. better or worse? Probably worse, right? Probably worse. People Probably are, worse. Eh, Family vacation yeah, in Vegas? Yeah, probably worse. Yeah. 
I don't know. Probably worse, though. It's, it's still Christmas. I will say just one thing. With this new Clear app, it will be fun to watch the people of Kansas City try to figure that thing out. <laughs> what, they can't use <laughs> apps in Kansas in City? For being vaxxed? Yeah, the, the more the... They're being like, what do you mean I have to be vaxxed? I thought this was America. <laughs> well, that's a really good point in terms of because not all the stadiums are like that. So if their home stadium's not, and you have that many Chiefs fans coming or that many Eagles fans coming, yeah, you're going to get a lot of people saying, what? What do we have to do? Where do we have to go? And might be completely confused about it. Oh, So when I went to that uh, Seahawks-Titans game, the Seahawks have it to where you either have to show proof of vaccination or proof of a negative COVID test. And right. one of the funniest things was like we they, they used the clear app, too. So I just did that. But there was like a woman that was in the line next to us who like was pulling out of her purse this piece of paper that was like, I have a negative covid test. And then she had to pull out her I.D. to prove it was her name on the I.D. And it was her. It seemed like a mess. Oh, yeah. It's I mean, I don't know how we we, we all got backs and had our cards and sent them in. And that was it for us. It was easy. But if you haven't done it or if you're trying to clear up and when I go to um Raider games, we park to where we have to walk in across the, across the uh, the street. There, you still see people lined up on game day, and, and you know, policemen or whoever saying, "Okay, you're here for the test or whatever. Go this way. You're already good. You go that way." So, there's probably been a really long line of Kansas City Chiefs fan down Russell Road uh, <laughs> when the Chiefs play here, trying to figure out uh, how to get in and be vaccinated. All right, enjoy your couple of hours before the Raiders right. actually stretch for ten yeah. minutes for you. Three hours. I'll go in and uh, talk to Cassie. So push, push Cassie in a lake. Yes. I'll see ya. See ya, Ed. We don't have any water for that. No, they got that dunk tank where they dunk their uh Oh, that's right. Dunk the skull caps in or the hel- was it the helmet? Just the skull cap, right? You don't put the whole helmet in the water. That would seem bad. I mean it's still standing water, which is also kind of a weird thing to me. Side note, have you seen Derek Carr's helmet this year? Yeah. It's strange looking. There's like holes in it. It's yeah. a, it looks like a strainer. Like if you were making like macaroni and cheese, you could use his helmet to strain it in there. I mean, I don't know if that's that strange based on, like, certain quarterback helmet. Like, everyone's quarterback helmet looks weird to me now because I'm so used to the quarterback just having, like, basically, like, a small piece of plastic they set on their head. Get this technology out of the NFL. It's a real man's game when there's no padding in that helmet. Coming up next, it's Bischoff's Briefs. Do you want to schedule a parent-teacher conference after hearing Grainy's grades? Call the Press Box voicemail and let us know. 702-720-4678 and let us know who deserves a higher grade. Bischoff's Briefs. When life gives you lemons, don't make lemonade. Make life take the lemons back. Bischoff's Briefs. Get mad! I don't want your damn lemons! What am I supposed to do with these? Bischoff's Briefs. Demand to see life's manager. Bischoff's Briefs. Do you know who I am? I'm the man who's gonna burn your house down with the lemons! J.R. Starkus will join us in a few minutes. We'll also have another pair of tickets to go see John Fogarty. Uh, a little bit later this hour. But Bischoff's Briefs today, ah, fun story from ESPN. Uh, they sent a survey to an analytics staffer on every NFL team, and they got 22 of them to respond, and they published these results of their survey. And what was found out was that the Raiders 
were voted as one of the least analytically inclined teams in the NFL. The Titans were the runaway winners for the least analytically inclined. Cincinnati and Washington uh, came in a tie for second, and then the Raiders pulled in at fourth. So if we look through this, are the Raiders really one of the five worst at using analytics? They have made some poor decisions over the years uh, since John Gruden's been here. Uh, One of the big mistakes analytically was they drafted a running back in the first round in Josh Jacobs. Uh, and then they doubled down on that by giving Kenyon Drake $11 million guaranteed this off season. That is the, the analytics standpoint that would hit back at that is that that is a poor understanding of positional value. And a good example this year is the most productive game. Any running back has had for the Raiders is Peyton Barber in week three. Uh, nobody else has had come even close Kenyon Drake or Josh Jacobs to what Peyton Barber did in week three. And Peyton Barber is a guy they signed off the street. Uh, but that's just positional value the running back spot. It's the least, you know, valuable position in the NFL. There's very few running backs that are, you know, worth the money. The difference between the best running backs in the NFL and, you know, the average running back that's on a, that's a backup somewhere is usually not that significant, right? There's some exceptions, obviously, right? I think pass catching backs are the ones that, you know, tend to get, they should be more valuable guys that can run and catch passes like an Alvin Kamara or a Christian McCaffrey. But even in that instance, Christian McCaffrey got hurt last year. He's hurt again this year. That's one of the other issues with running backs is they tend to get hurt at a higher rate than pretty much every other position in the sport, maybe in all of sports, are they the most likely to get injured in all of sports? That might be true too. They get injured a lot. So if you invest a lot into it, we've seen it with Josh Jacobs chances. You get a full 16 game season out of them. It's pretty low for a running back. Uh, so even Camara's, even McCaffrey's, they get hurt and it's not always worth it. Derek Henry seems to be this massive outlier of a guy. You can just hand the ball off to and yep. It's going to work 30 times a game. He's going to run for 172 yards and yeah, that's, that's good. You guys should keep doing that. Uh, but that's really a massive outlier. There are no other Derrick Henry's in the league. Like if you're saying, if you use Derrick Henry as an example, you're using something that nobody else has, but that's one of the big things the Raiders have done. Um, somewhere that Gruden might be improving, throwing the ball on first and second downs, uh, throwing is more efficient in the NFL than running. And it's much more efficient to the point where you could almost make the argument. You should throw the ball in every single snap. Uh, but that's not realistic because you do, you do have to have some form. You know, I shouldn't say have to have some form of a running game, but you can't just line up and throw it on every down. There's got to be some element of a run game to your offense. And there are times when running the ball is very good, but passing overall is more efficient and you should be throwing more often on first and second down than most coaches are. The Chargers game, they still had some questionable early down run calls, especially in the second half when they were down by 21, then 14, then seven late in that game. Uh, But the Raiders have actually been, I think they're still top 10 in the league in early down pass rate where they're still throwing the ball a lot on first and second down. And we've talked about it this week. The question with that is kind of Gruden being forced into that because there is no running game and because the offensive line has been so bad they're kind of forced into throwing the ball. Plus they've been behind in a lot of these games too, that they're sort of forced into that. So that's sort of the question there. Gruden's they've been better about it. They've been throwing it earlier than they have been ever under John Gruden. But is that going to continue, you know, when they play with leads or if there's ever a run game or if the pass or if the, the offensive line ever figures anything out, right? Because it's non-existent, they kind of have to throw it. So we'll see uh, if they can do that. 
The other concern is fourth downs. This is one of the big talking points in the NFL is when do you go for it on fourth down? Coaches are going for it more than ever now on fourth down. And one of the good contrast is what we just saw on Monday night between Brandon Staley and John Gruden. God, that where was funny. Staley goes he must for really it. have wanted that game. Right. And John Gruden afterwards, he, it, and he almost got it too. Like he was so close to understanding why Brandon Staley would go for it on fourth down so much, but he just didn't quite get, he just didn't quite put all the pieces together. You go for it on fourth and shorts near midfield because that's, what's giving you a higher chance to win the game. Your win probability is higher. Cause here's the thing we, there are a bunch of companies or people that do win probabilities for fourth down decisions. Right. And they will come in and they will say, all right, your win probability, if you go for this, is blank. Your win probability, if you punt or kick a field goal on this fourth down, is blank. So with that information, you should go for it because you're increasing your chances to win. Or there are situations where you should kick the field goal. Or you should kick the or, or punt the ball away. That increases your win probability, right? And a lot of this is it's all it's based on, you know, we have history of the NFL where teams in this certain position score this many points or win this amount of times, but also it factors in the time and score of the game and the opponent you're playing. And there's a bunch of models that do this. And sometimes you'll have some disagreements for the most part. They're all sort of an agreement, right? With this play gives you a better chance at winning the game. If you go for it here versus if you kick it here, that's what more coaches are doing. And that's where John Gruden has to get better. Now, to be fair to him, he has, he's actually in, I think the Raiders are in the top half of the league in terms of like uh, going forward on fourth down and adding win probability. They've actually been a fairly aggressive team this year and going for it, but there's still you can still tell there's the hesitation from John Gruden. And we saw it. Fourth and nine. Granted, nine's not exactly an easy distance, but you're down seven in the fourth quarter. Fourth and nine, they kick the 52-yard field goal instead of going for it. Chargers get the ball. Immediately after that possession, it's a fourth and two or three near midfield. Up seven. Brandon Staley says, I don't care. We're going for it because you're putting the game in your offense. You're saying, hey, we're more likely than not to pick up this fourth and short. If we go for it and get it, we get to win the game or we get to run the clock down more, whatever the situation is. Whereas if we punt it away, now they control the game. Now their offense is more likely than not to pick up first downs and move down the field. So I don't know that I agree. The Raiders should be bottom five because I don't, they're not a complete disaster. The running back situation kind of is, but outside of that, they're not a complete disaster when it comes to like the big analytical decisions that we look at right now in the NFL. They're certainly not good but I'm not sure they're bottom five at the moment. Now, one other fun part of this, the team that was voted the most analytically inclined in the NFL. You want to take a guess at it, Jared? Who do you think other analytic staffers across the league voted as the most analytically advanced team in the NFL? Why do I want to say like the Rams? It's not the Rams. Rams uh, doesn't look like the Rams got a vote. They got a guy who Holds back their coach. I, I thought that was advanced analytics. I don't think that's analytics. That's just the get back guy. That's just the everybody knows 15-yard personal fouls are bad. All right. Well, uh, then I'm going to probably go with uh, Andy Reid because uh, Chiefs also did not get a vote. Man, he's got a guy who comes and takes the challenge flag out of his pocket when they're under two minutes. I don't think analytics has gotten that far, but that is a good. I thought analytics was about having a guy. (laughs) It's the Ravens, right? The Ravens are actually number two. Ah, They were so they were unseated uh, by the Cleveland Browns were voted as the most analytically advanced team in the NFL. Didn't they hire a baseball guy? (laughs) That's what you do. So the Browns are up there as viewed as the most analytically inclined team. 
other teams that got votes. Uh, the Dolphins are up there. The Bills are up there. Uh, the Colts and Eagles are up there. Packers got a vote as well. So how? Which one of those? The Packers. Oh, I was more surprised by like the Colts getting one than the Packers. I mean, besides the quarterback position, they've been kind of doing well with a bunch of guys you've never heard of for the last like three years. But I think that you could, I think not, maybe they didn't make this decision based on analytics, but I've said it before. I think that's a good analytical decision. Hey, we've got a quarterback that can make Marquez Valdez Scantling look like a competent wide receiver. Why the hell would we draft one in the first round? I mean that, yes, that is a good, that to me, like that to me is what I would have done if I was the Packers. Oh, Aaron Rodgers makes everybody look good. Well, I'm not wasting a high pick on anybody. Well, I wouldn't also draft a quarterback. Well, yes, that's a poor decision. Very poor decision on their part. But, eh, whatever. Jordan Love ever going to play for them? He, I, at this point, and based on my fantasy team, I hope so. <laughs> Coming up next, J.R. Starkish joins the show. Our stats hogwash. Are you tired of hearing Tyler do math on the radio? Tweet at Bischoff underscore Tyler and at Ed Graney. Wes. Ready for the weekend? It's like I picked the wrong week to quit drinking. Let's find out what's on tap with J.R. Starkus. Champagne, perfume going in, sewage coming out. Southern Blazers wine and spirits. J.R. Starkus is here. J.R., have you heard how Ed watches Dodger games before? Uh, yes. So, you know, I was going to, I'm glad you brought it up because I wanted to open with, you know, in the world that we live in, you, we constantly hear a lot about fake news. Well, I had the biggest fake news last night with Ed on the group text when he said he wasn't (laughs) sweating the game because I texted him right after uh, uh, Trey Turner hit into a double play. The fastest guy in the league hits into a double play and ends a rally. And I was like, oh, this isn't good. Ed must be losing his mind. And he's like, oh, it's all good, kid. I was like, okay, (laughs) okay. That's uh, the... Uh, he must have been sweating it like out big time. He didn't want to let it out, obviously. So I, I've got to know because Ed will, you know, when, anytime things start to go wrong, he'll like pause it and then come back later and fast forward and, you know, watch if something good <laughs> happens. It's a nightmare. Um, like you sit down and like you watch the Red Sox like a normal human being, don't you? Yes. And I yelled at TV like a normal human being. And yeah, absolutely. Okay. Thank you. Yeah. I just, I just need to know there's some other normalcy around here now. Are you optimistic about the Red Sox? Listen, uh, yes, I'm optimistic. How could you not be? But, I mean, if, if they go in and get swept by Tampa Bay, well, I wouldn't be happy with that. Just to see the Yankees go home first in a one-game <laughs> series is, is like heaven. So, you know, I, I, can't, I can't say that I'll be, like, upset, like overly upset. Now, if, if this, were, this, this were a different tie, and let's say that the Red Sox beat Tampa in a one game series and then, you know, had to play New York in this round and they lost. I would be very upset. Um, Tampa's a great team. Um, I do wish the, best for the Red Sox. Tampa. Like, can you say that? Like what, what about them is great. Like there's a, every time their record, the record is great. But that's the, that's the part though. Like, you know, you, you, you know, sometimes you can't, sometimes you don't need all these, just these mega stars. As you can see, the Yankees are obviously are garbage and they went down again. <laughs> Uh, so, you know, you don't need all the big stars, uh, Red Sox getting it done with some, with some um, yeah, yeah. Red Sox getting it done with some, with some, uh, under the radar guys and the Tampa Bay's obviously getting it done with all under the radar guys. Um, you know, their, their best player is a guy who just got called up this year. And, uh, so, you know, we'll, we'll, uh, 
props to them. Um, but I hope the Red Sox do well. Their pitching scares me every single day, um, and that is where I lose confidence. As soon as they go to the bullpen, I, I start to panic. I got to find the stat exactly. I believe uh, the Red Sox and Yankees, the last eight postseason meetings, the Red Sox have eliminated the Yankees. I saw something about that. Like the, it was like since 2004, the Yankees have not beat the Red Sox in a postseason series or something like that, which is, that's also beauty, beautiful to hear, you know? Um, but it just goes to show you that you can take any stat and tweak it into anything you want, because there's been plenty of times where the Red Sox haven't even been in the postseason. And so there was not a game to be played, wow. but uh, it is, but yeah, besides the point, yeah. they have not beat them in a postseason series, period. Yeah. The Yankees, ha- I mean, hell, the Yankees haven't won a world series since 2009. So it's fine. Right. They're, they're not, they're not yeah, doing anything yeah. either while the Red Sox miss the playoffs every now and then you're, you're all good. Well they'll, be wa- well, well, they'll be watching them tonight. So yeah, they'll be watching them tonight. <laughs> It'll be nice to see. All right. So what kind of a drink are you making for us? And, and what does Bruno Mars have to do with it? Okay. So do you know who Bruno Mars is? I mean, yes. I I would recognize Bruno Mars if he walked in here, which is more than I can say about most celebrities or musicians. Okay, that's he that's wears a, good a hat. Start. Not all the time, but he does wear it a lot. But that's kind of his. That's how you can tell it's him, maybe. Um, so it's a different Seville hat Ray than Pharrell, <laughs> <laughs> right? Seville Ray Rum is a rum that is from Panama, and Bruno Mars is the owner of this rum. Um, I decided to make a drink with Seville Ray Rum because, for two reasons, actually. One, tomorrow, the 8th of October, is Bruno Mars' birthday, um, as if that means something, but it's Bruno Mars' birthday tomorrow, (laughs) and so I'm making this drink in his honor. Now, the reason I chose this rum is because you're seeing a resurgence. You know, we talk about what we're seeing in the restaurants all the time and what's old is new, Um, but now in the trends category of what's happening in restaurants, the espresso martini is making a comeback. Um, there are a lot of restaurants that are serving their v- variation of an espresso martini, uh, an iconic beverage that, of course, you know, is kind of there to kind of perk you up at the end of the night, but if, uh, add a little bit of booze to it. So uh, what we're seeing now is, you know, on a lot of menus, just people are doing their, their, their very variation of it. So I chose Savoray Rum. Um, they have four different SKUs in their portfolio. They have a white rum. They have a coconut rum. Mm. They have a chocolate rum, which is what I'm using today. And then they have um, the, the owner's reserve, which is kind of like Bruno's go-to, which is a, that's their highest end rum. That's more of a sipping, uh, you know, drink it on the rocks or need uh, and enjoy it with uh, as like a, as you would a fine cognac or anything like that. Um, have a cigar with it. That's kind of what that rum is intended to. I would really probably not put that one in a, in a drink. Um, but most certainly if, if you so desire, you, you should. I'm using the, the chocolate rum today. Uh, the chocolate rum is a five-year-old rum that's infused with chocolate. You think about rums and, and from Panama and things that are from uh, warm countries, right? You talk about warm countries, the Caribbean and Panama. In this case, uh, Panama has a wealth of sugarcane and, of course, other, um, all the other things that kind of grow nicely there, coconuts or cacao for chocolate. A canal. So kind of... Yeah, a canal. But these, these flavors go these flavors go well together. And so it makes natural sense to have a chocolate rum. Now, the thing that I like about this rum is that while it's infused with chocolate, it's not a confectionery, overly sweet sugar bomb. It is not that. It is very elegant and delicately infused with chocolate. So that way, when you drink it, you get hints of chocolate, you taste the chocolate, but you're not going to say, oh, God, it's so sweet, I don't want any more. It's not that at all. 
It is just a beautifully infused chocolate rum. So for the drink, uh, it's three very simple ingredients. You can choose to use a fourth ingredient if you want, and I'll describe that. But um, I, I wanted to do it very simple for anybody listening at home. So what you're going to need is um, two ounces of espresso. If you can find, like, one of those uh, Starbucks espresso shot things, that'll work. Um, uh, even if you can't, if you have an espresso machine at your house, that'll work, obviously. Um, and hot espresso will always work better, in my opinion, than cold espresso. But if you can only get cold because you had to go to the store, then fine, then use it. Um, uh, and if you can't find espresso, then like a really uh, bold, like nitro cold brew coffee that you can find in a can or something like that, you can find those at basically any grocery store. That will work as well, but you're going to use two ounces of that. You're going to use a half of an ounce of liquid alchemist coconut syrup. Okay, Liquid alchemist is an incredibly fine coconut syrup. What I like about this, um, what I, this particular ingredient in the beverage, you can tweak up or down depending on if you're using, if you've made fresh espresso at your house or if you're using cold brew coffee and there's no sweetness to it, you may find that you need to uh, go up in sweetness a little bit if you want it a little bit sweeter the drink, okay? If you're using like one of those Starbucks espresso shot things, there are some sugar there. So half of an ounce of this liquid alchemist coconut syrup will probably do the trick. Um, so, but a half of an ounce, I like to drink a little bit on the drier side. I don't want it too sweet. So half an ounce works for me perfectly. Then I'm going to use two ounces of the Seville Ray, uh, Coke, or excuse me, Seville Ray chocolate rum. And, and to kind of combine all those ingredients with ice, shake it together. Um, when you shake it well, there will be kind of this nice creamy texture. The uh, frothiness from the, uh, from the coffee will kind of per will kind of um, make a nice base layer on top of the drink, so it has this beautiful creamy consistency to it. You only need the three ingredients, uh, and then you kind of garnish. You can garnish it with a lemon peel or something if you want to keep it simple. But I garnished it with some coconut shavings that you can find at the store, uh, just on top, and and that's it. That's that's a very easy at home version of an espresso martini that you can make. Tips and tricks, though. If you're using hot espresso, okay, um, you do not like what one of the common mistakes I see people do when they make a drink is they add ice to their tin and then they add the ingredients on top of that. Absolutely, do not do that with hot with hot ingredients like an espresso. So take your hot espresso, add it to your tin or your mixing glass without ice in it. Add the rum, add the coconut syrup, all without ice. Then add ice and shake immediately. Shake it well and get it off ice. If you add the hot espresso to ice that's already in the tin, it will naturally just start diluting the ice right away, and then your drink will come out very watery, and it'll, be, it'll taste watered down. You do not want that. So to eliminate that, you add the ice at the very last moment, right before you're going to shake, um, and then you strain it in. You can strain the drink over ice if you so desire, but I think this is better in a cocktail glass, um, uh, so, so no ice, so that way the drink doesn't continue to change. It'll just kind of stay the same way and uh, drink it down. It's a beautiful cocktail. The espresso martini, something that you can find in a lot of different restaurants now as it makes a comeback in our, in our industry. JR, at this point in your career, how much trial and error is there for you when it comes to the right order to do things when you're mixing a drink versus, oh, I already know that's going to happen if I do it in that order? Uh, very little, actually. Um, there are some new, there, sometimes there are some some brands or some variations of things that come out, like a new product will come out and the flavor will be um, one I'm not familiar with, with maybe what they're trying to do. Um, Sam and, and so, 
Yes, exactly. So there's one that you need to there's one that you need to play with, and you're like, mm, what am I going to do? What else can I do? I'm not sure how this is going to work out. Um, but you know, for the most part, if you have an ingredient, uh, like there's a lot of modifiers, like Saint Germain, and then you know there's uh, there's a lot of cate- there's a lot of products that are in that same kind of category, like Saint Germain, um, that y- you just have to taste it to understand the flavor. But the way that it works in the drink will fundamentally be the same. So you'll just know, okay, this, this should work, this will work. Um, so it doesn't take a lot of trial and error. Uh, you just have to know how to balance sugar and stuff like that. So, uh, but that's, that's about it. Once you do it uh, as much, many times as I've done it, uh, it just kind of – you should most of the time you can write that stuff in your head without having to test it. Every once in a while, though, there'll be this weird ingredient that you have to test out. Uh, by the way, the coconut shavings – wait, did you say they sell coconut shavings? Yes. You can buy, you can buy coconut shavings or coconut flakes. Um, it comes. It comes in a bag. You can buy it at Smith's, Vons, Walmart, anything like that. I'd prefer to use, see you hacking away at an actual coconut to get these shavings. I could do that too. That'd be more of a of a you know <laughs> table side service uh, where I could shave from the inside of the coconut. Service. Yeah, table side service. Yeah, yeah. Uh, all right. If, what, if I were in studio, I'd do it. But what's the name of this one? An espresso martini. The oh, Double Ray Espresso Martini. You didn't give it a special name for Bruno Mars. Okay. I, I, no. All right. Expected more. That's fine. That's fine. <laughs> well, you know, you got to mail it in. What, what, is, guess, what you know. is a Bruno Mars song? Just call it a Bruno. Uh, he sings the 24 karat. 24 karat. Something. 24 karat magic. Yeah. yeah. 24 karat so magic. 24 karat coconut. There we go. Yeah. 24 karat <laughs> coconut. I don't know if that makes any sense. He's J.R. Starkus. You're, you're in a professional drink namer now. Congratulations. Hey, that's all, hey, that's all I've ever yeah. wanted to be in life. <laughs> J.R. Starkus, Southern Glazers Wine and Spirits. J.R., thank you so much. You bet, guys. Talk to you next week. Thanks. Naming's the best part. Here we go. We got two tickets to go see John Fogarty Traveling Band October 10th at the Encore Theater at The Win. We will take caller number five at 702 702- 364-1100. That's caller five. It's 702-364-1100 if you want tickets to go see John Fogarty. Is Tyler a know-it-all? Can you prove him wrong? Call the Press Box voicemail and let us know. 702-720-4678. After... No way. Yeah, no way. You're locked in the Press Box. Congratulations to Tony. He won a pair of tickets to go see John Fogarty. Uh, tomorrow, the show is going to be out at TPC Summerlin for the uh, Shriners Children's Hospital Open. Uh, we'll be out there 7 to 10. Uh, so if you're going to be out there, come say hello to us. Uh, but, Jared, I, I do want to figure out, while Ed's not here, I do want to figure out, what exactly are we cheering for with the Dodgers in the postseason? Because we enjoy when Ed is upset about them losing, but if they lose, then it's over. Yes. And we lose content for the show. And I like, I think I'm leaning towards Dodgers lose in world series. I think that's what I want too. but I also don't want the Dodgers to win the world series. And that is like, yeah, that's the worst thing. Well, no, because we got a bunch of content out of him not being able to shop correctly. That's true. Yeah. Amazon's going to be tough for him. He's yeah. not going to be able to buy anything from the Dodgers website if they win because it's all going to be sold out. So, Oh, no. It's also because, remember, his, his wife changed the password on the credit cards. That, too. That's a problem for him. So, okay. So, we are officially cheering for the Dodgers to at least make the World Series. I am cheering for them to at least advance. But what I really, really want 
is every game to be like the one last night. Yes. Oh, yeah, absolutely. We don't need any Dodger 12 to 1 wins. We yeah, need I don't want blowouts. I want yeah, yeah. like we need the Dodgers losing and winning in the ninth. Yes. And if they lose, hopefully not a deciding game, but if they lose, I want it to be just heart like it like I want it to go off somebody's glove. Yeah, Kinley Jansen's. Yeah. Something yes. something where the next day we've just got like in every break, he's just like, did you see? Like, okay, when they lose, we want it to be Cody Bellinger hits into a triple play with the bases loaded in the ninth, right? Yeah. And Kenley Jansen gives up, you know, uh, can't protect the three-run lead and gives up a walk-off grand slam to Buster Posey. He comes in the with the bases loaded, strikes out the first two. <laughs> <laughs> yes, like I think... Like, yes, we are cheering for the most heartbreaking losses possible, but the Dodgers still advance. So yeah. so we get two, hopefully we get two giant wins that are just the most ridiculous. Like last year, when they lost game four to Tampa on the dumbest walk-off you've ever seen, like that was phenomenal. The only problem is Ed wasn't here. Like that right. happened on a Friday or a Saturday too. So it wasn't even like we had a show the very next day. That's the only problem is that wasn't here. And they won. The, they, they did they win by the time he got back? Uh, possibly. Yeah. They had. Yeah. They, well, they won the next two games of the series. Like the the Rays won that game and then didn't win another game in the series. The Dodgers won the next two. Um. But yeah. So like that type of loss would be phenomenal. Okay. I just wanted to clear up exactly what we're cheering for. Are we, I mean, I know I am. Are we cheering for Astros Dodgers in the world series? Like as far as content on the show goes, as, that's as good as it gets. Yes. Yeah, I mean, are we going to, yeah, that's probably the best for us. Cause I have no, yeah. Like all my teams sold at the yeah. deadline and basically are, we're the Royals. And like, if the white Sox make it, uh, if the white Sox, if, if what I, I'm not, just, neither one of us is cheering for Tony La Russa. I mean, I'm, cheering for him to finally, you know, pay some for the DUIs, yeah, but probably won't happen. And then like if the if, if it's the Rays, I just I'm annoyed with them, so I won't enjoy that. The Red Sox, yeah, they kind of suck. So, I don't think we have to worry too much about the Red Sox. They're not winning two series. It's the, I think the Brew like uh, maybe not. I don't know. I'm still scared of what? Of the Brewers? Winning or just being there and having to just, pay attention? To yeah, them. just to like. Here's the thing, though. The Brewers have great. Like, I can get behind the Brewers having great pitching. Like, there's at least that interesting element of it. Uh, don't give me the Red Sox. Don't give me the Braves. Oh, I forgot the Braves were in there. I think I can handle the rest of them. Like, the Brewers, they're moderately interesting. I like, forgot. they've got great pitching. And, like, Josh Hader is one of the most fun relievers. And Christian Yelich exists. Like, we know his name. But like the oh, Reds... I forgot Christian Yelich. He wanted MVP. <laughs> Stop playing in the North. Are you Midwest. paying attention to baseball, Jared? You forgot the Braves are in the playoffs. You don't know who Christian. You didn't know Christian Yelich was still on the Brewers. They're the Brewers. Quick, name a Boston Red Sox. Uh, Xander Bogart. Okay, yeah, he had a home run, big one against Garrett Cole. Good one. What about Kyle Schwarber? Yeah, that I'm. I'm. Good luck with that. What do you mean? He had like 30-something home runs this year. The guy was good. Kyle Shorter was awesome this year. He's like their only hope for him to go yard like four times against the Rays.